Hello, and welcome to From Our Perspective to Therapist Moms and a Mic. I'm Claudia Glassman. And I'm Katie Truex. And today we are going to talk to you about what probably is like a long unfulfilled promise, <laughs> which is how to actually find a therapist. Claudia had a good point saying, you know, we always are, are saying, you know, these are concepts we're putting out there and ideas we're chatting through with you guys. But um, ultimately, some of these things boil down to really a good way to get help is with therapy, right? But like, for a lot of you guys listening, you might never have been in therapy before. You might not have friends or family who are therapy savvy, and you might not have any idea how to get started with this process at all. So we thought we would I'd kind of talk through that a little bit, see if we could be helpful. Yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, I, there's a, a lot of variety in people that seek out therapy, right? Mm-hmm. There's a lot of different challenges. People come for different goals. People have different things they look for in a therapist. Um, and I know we often say in our episodes, like, hey, you can dive more into this in therapy. And then <laughs> we just leave it there to yeah. like, I don't know, hope people figure it out. But yeah. I get, I do, I get asked about it. Um, you know, whether it's, random people or whether it's clients that have been in therapy before or even are new to therapy mm-hmm. or who were like, I don't know, my friends do therapy. They think it's helpful. Here I am to see what it's about. Right. Yeah. Um, and we have a lot of discussions about, okay, so, so what is it and what to expect? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or what, what do I do in this process? Um, and it's not a super simple answer. <laughs> no, <laughs> it is so dependent on what you're looking for. Um, but I figured we could at least have some conversation about it and hopefully, you know, shed some light on the process, at least from our perspective. <laughs> because that's the name of our uh, podcast. <laughs> do you like that? We should do that every episode. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Well, you know, and I, it's really kind of like um, a passion and maybe a soapbox of mine too. the fact that our field is so varied and diverse. And I feel like among like, let's say like the lay population out there, right. Who is not in our profession, it can feel really confusing. Um, so could we maybe start with like breaking down who, like what types of professions might fall under the mental health umbrella and like, who does what would that be helpful? Sure. Uh, Yeah. In terms of different, (laughs) in terms of different, yes, because I, I think it's something we take for granted as mm-hmm. understanding, but for most consumers of the services, it's just letters after a name yeah, or a title that they don't fully understand. So I know one of the questions I, and I just had this conversation the other day with someone who's like, you know, right to your point, what are all the different licenses yeah. and different things? And you're in Florida, I'm in Georgia. They are different by state. Uh Um, so licensed professional counselors here are licensed mental health counselors in Florida. Um, and I'm sure there's other States that have variations of that. Um, but I think the number one question I get asked is what's, what does a psychologist do versus me? Uh So a psychologist versus a licensed mental health counselor, licensed professional counselor, I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist. And then Uh we've got clinical social workers as well. Yeah. And so the, so the counseling profession, right. So whether it's mental health counseling or professional counseling, it's somewhat equivalent, like you said, state to state, just different titles. And then, um, your marriage and family therapy degree, and then a social work degree, those are all master's level degree types. Yes. 
And then a psychologist by definition is a, a doctoral level degree. So they have done a PhD um, or all the school that we did and then plus either a PhD or a PsyD, right? Right. Do you mm -hmm. want to say like what, so, so social work, counseling and marriage and family therapy typically provide therapy services, whether it's in um, a private practice setting like I do, or whether it is in um, a nonprofit setting or um, an institutional setting. Um, and then social workers often and sometimes instead of doing therapy, choose to go into other institutions such as schools or um, um, governmental institutions. So for example, like Child Protective Services, um, what else, Claudia? Things like um, elder care is another profession. Sometimes social workers gravitate. Yeah, well, there's a difference between, right, the clinical social, a licensed clinical social worker and then God, was the other designation of it because one is clinical and the clinical component is that therapy component okay versus like the case management component mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um so like nursing homes and stuff like that hospitals yeah. have a lot of them um so yeah and so it's basically comes down to what what path you took educationally right did you go to school yeah. for social work did you go to school for mental health counseling or marriage and family therapy um and then which license you pursue at that master's level. Where it gets confusing is I think in practice, Yeah. when it comes to the work we do, it's a big right. pool of all of us mixed together. Yeah. You can be a social worker and do family therapy totally. because you can just get training in it, right? Um, like I don't work a lot with couples anymore. I used to, I, I now focus on other things but people get really confused by why are you a marriage and family therapist and don't specialize in couples mm -hmm. um, because it really doesn't matter, right. right? Once we get to that level, it's the trainings we do after we get licensed and kind of the paths we choose and then their certifications and whatnot that we can get. And so all of those master level people are kind of pooled together and then we all choose our specialties and our areas of interest to yep. work from there. And like what um, setting we want to work in. Right, and the setting you want to work in. So psychologists, and this is where it gets a little confusing, right? Because psychologists are the one that do a lot of testing and assessments, right? They're the ones that can do the psychological evaluations, educational evaluations, all of those. Um, they can also provide therapy if mm -hmm. they choose. So a lot of psychologists will do both. Yes. Or some just do testing or some just do therapy. That is correct. But they have the option to do either yeah. both whatever they want to do. And now yeah. when I was going through school and choosing, cause I had the original intention to get my doctorate as well. And then kind of got into it and was talking about, okay, well, what do you want your career to look like? Right. With some of my professors. And really, I knew really early on that what I wanted to do was private practice. And so truthfully I was advised, okay, well, a good route for you is to consider a master's level degree rather than a doctorate because it saves you time, money, you can get to the end goal faster. And at that time, and this was like early 2000s, I, the only, a psychologist was, were the only ones who could do research and write or testing and, um, well, yes, testing and um, be professors. Yes. At least in my little microcosm of the world. Now, That's I how it worked, yeah. 
that that has changed though now. Cause I think that there are master's level clinicians who do teach and as teachers and professors do research as well. I think that has um, shifted some as we have moved through time. It has also, there's a lot more online universities that hire master's level therapists. Mm. Um, but I think at its core at a university that is highly research focused, they mm. will still want a doctorate level candidate. Right. Yeah. But um, yes. And I kind of did that. I wasn't advised that, but in my own head. So I knew I didn't want to do a PhD because I'm not super interested in research. So I would have done, mm. and I'm more interested in like really the clinical aspect yeah. of counseling. So to confuse all of our listeners that I would have then done a PsyD, which mm -hmm. is basically a doctorate in psychology and is very clinically focused, less research mm -hmm. focused Yes. Um, to do that because you're not doing research. There is no funding, meaning you are paying for that degree versus a PhD. You may actually be able to get funding for because you're basically a research assistant for, you know, your three. Yeah. Um, right. And so when I started adding up the cost of that, knowing I still just wanted to do the clinical work, mm -hmm. what was the benefit? Right. So the education, but to be quite honest with you, um, I feel like I have learned the most valuable lessons through mm -hmm. working with yeah. clients and learning from them and any education I've done outside. And I funneled my income right into, into learning about different things within the field instead of pursuing like another degree. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm with you. I kind of the same thing. Cause if your career goal is to do work with clients and do this, you don't need yep. the other thing. And it yeah. didn't focus on the things I wanted to bring to my work. So yeah. So, okay. So we've got the master's levels. We've got the psychologists. Then we have the psychiatrists and uh -huh. Yes. And the psychiatrists are MDs. They are actually medical doctors. They went to medical school and they don't typically do counseling. Although, um, I have met a few that mm -hmm. would, that like to, they don't see clients the way we do, but they, they definitely like to use their, um, medication <laughs> sessions for therapy and, and that's great. Mm -hmm. Right. But they tend to be shorter appointments, more medication management and, mm -hmm. and that. Um, and I think that's so important for the public to know, because I think that, well, I, I know for me, I've had a lot of people come and be disappointed um, or confused and say, well, I, I went to a psychiatrist, but all they wanted to do was give me medicine and send me out the door. Mm. And, you know, I would kind of try to just explain, well, that really is what their job is, you know, um, is to assess, diagnose, and then properly medicate based on those things. And that there is just a common misconception that among some that psychiatrists are going to be um, giving treatment, right? Giving therapy or treatment that's not medicine, right? So doing therapy, like you said. Um, and I don't know, there's something in my mind and maybe it was like, like, was Freud a psychiatrist, Claudia? Do you remember? <laughs> he was a psychoanalyst. Well, so here's the thing because the mental health field has changed, right? It wasn't yeah. regulated back then. I don't even know if you had to do much. Right. I, mean, I think he tinkered with substances, but there was, there was only oh, regulated, yeah. you know, like cocaine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, sure. But like, it wasn't regular. It, it's not the regulation no. was not there. Right. Um, I have this, like, do you just remember, like, I don't know, like when we were younger, like before we actually came into the field, like, you know, there's like this 
and maybe it's like the cartoons that used to be in the paper when papers actually were a thing that got like thrown into your driveway maybe that still happens in Atlanta it doesn't happen down here but um like remember they had like cartoon sections and like there's always sections about therapists and there was people laid back laying on a couch right and some dude who's not looking at their face like no women right but writing on a clipboard and it was always the psychiatrist was listening to this person talk as they reclined on their couch about their mother (laughs) how Mm -hmm. bad their mother messed them up so I think that you know for our generation and older you know some of that kind of you know, was kind of an old way of thinking and conceptualizing, but now people get frustrated when they go seek out treatment and they don't get what they're expecting. Yes. Okay. So that's a psychiatrist. And then we also have other medical doctors, which are Mm -hmm. kind of related, maybe like cousins, if you will. And that would be like (laughs) neuropsychologists. Well, they're, they're PhD level. So they would be similar to a psychologist who specializes in the brain, but we do have neuroscientists and we have neurologists Mm -hmm. who are, they're both, well, hold on. So neurologist is clearly a medical doctor A neuroscientist is that that's a, that's a doctoral level profession, right? Not a medical doctor. Yeah. And then we have psychometrists who I don't know how much school they have to do, but they, they... so I was a psychometrist in grad school. All I did was, um, I gave certain assessments and scored them. Yeah. Yeah. But you can only do certain ones. Right. Okay. I I didn't do like psychological evaluations. It was like, you know, here's an anxiety measure Mm -hmm. or the MMPI. Here's this. Let me score it. It wasn't a full battery of a psychological evaluation. It didn't paint a full picture. It was like you give, although maybe it was like a, I don't know, maybe it was just a title they gave me and I wasn't really one. That's also possible. I was in grad school. They Um. So there's a lot. So even for us, right? There's a lot that's like, oh wait, what was that? And how does that work? And who does that thing? Yeah. So Mm -hmm. yes. So those are kind of like that's like our giant little umbrella of mental health peoples. Yes. Right. So now that we've kind of caught people up to who can do what, right? Should we add something in there, Claudia? Because I think this is also something that I hear people getting confused about. What's that? school counselors slash guidance counselors. I also hear frustrated students or parents saying that they're not getting enough help from the counselor at the school. Yes. Right. They expect kind of more of like therapy from that person and they don't get that because really that's not their role. Right. Right. Because so uh, a guidance counselor is more of like academic assistance, right? So like, here's, here's how we get you to college. They guide you through kind of the process of school. A school counselor is mental health focused. However, they've got however many kids to keep track of. And so they are typically um, surface, uh, yeah, kind of like surface supporters, right? So they help with some things and when it requires, um, more therapy or more regular therapy, they will often refer to someone like me or Katie uh, and they'll refer out into the community because they are not, while they are set up to address mental health needs, they'll do a lot of like psycho ed stuff for schools, but they Mm -hmm. are not able to see every student weekly. So they kind of deal with the, you know, any immediate crisis that kind of comes up. 
Um, they are a good person to contact if you have concerns about something at the school that your child's going through that relates to mental health, but they are often just, they don't have the bandwidth to supply weekly sessions. Yeah. Okay. Some schools will take someone like Katie or I and put them in the school that works for a separate agency and those people mm. are a little bit different. So if your school happens to have therapists placed from another agency, but mm. in the school, um, that are doing that kind of therapy, they're not they're not part of the school board, right? That's kind of how it works. So, um, yeah. So they well, that reminds me of one other thing. <laughs> yes, there's also uh, faith based or religious based counseling. Yeah, like the pastoral. That, yeah, sometimes similar to what you're just saying. Sometimes those people are um, clinically trained and licensed, like Claudia and I, and sometimes they're not. Sometimes they're either lay counselors as they call themselves, or um, sometimes people who are like in a, a pastoral preacher kind of a role will provide counseling services um, more kind of from a biblical or prayer-based place than, and, and do not have any sort of training or credentialing in um, mental health, although some do. Um, my mother actually happens to have a, gosh, don't let me botch this, a doctorate in pastoral counseling. So she went to school and um, uh, she's in a different state. So I'm not exactly sure about the license type, but is trained to do psychotherapy, just like Claudia and I, but works kind of from a religious-based perspective. So there's a lot of spectrum there too. Um, you for sure are going to get religion if you go that route. And sometimes you're going to get that mental health training and sometimes not. And so, okay, let's segue, shall we, into like, how do you know who to look for and how, where do you find a therapist? Yes. So good question. So <laughs> this is, and, and maybe we should be mindful to not bog it down too much because mm -hmm. if you go on a website and like one of these, you know, um, therapist search engines, um, or listservs, you'll see like all of these modalities they work with. Right. So this person does cognitive behavioral therapy. This person does psychoanalytic. And, and I think if you're well-versed in the field, maybe you can fine tune for that. Like, I think I would look for a specific modality for myself because I understand them all, but I think for most clients, it's like, that's a lot. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So I stick to focusing on who works with what issues. Yeah. Right. You can search by issue, um, you know, and I think how you search that is pretty wide open, you know, therapist for depression, therapist for anxiety, therapist for mom problems. Like, you know, we market in all different kinds of ways. Mm -hmm. Um, but you're talking literally like a Google search. So you can Google, Google search. Yeah. I mean, browser. obviously if you can, me. if you can get a recommendation from a person, you know, and trust, obviously right. that route, sometimes we don't want to ask the people we know. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, yeah. I don't know. I think Googling most, I mean, do you do, do you do consult calls or do you not do those anymore? Like a short consult call? You don't oh. do that. Oh gosh, Claudia. I try not to, mm -hmm. I, I have to be honest. And, and I, for two reasons, one, I'm really busy and I'm at a stage in my career where I don't necessarily need to know what you are dealing with in order to feel like I can help you because, and this might be egotistical of me, but I somewhat feel like based 
based on what I've published out there on the internet that I do and don't do, if you read my bios and you find me, which that's the only way you can find me, unless you are referred by one of my existing clients or a colleague, in which case I assume then you kind of know a little bit about who I am and how I work. If you find me, I feel like I can help pretty much who comes through my door. And even if I do end up referring either to a different level of care or to an adjunctive provider, um, I still feel like that first session with me is of value. And so I don't require a consult call where I did when I was earlier in my career. And um, I have trained newer therapist, kind of beginning therapist. And I think a consult calls a really good idea there. But now because of, of where I am in my career, and then also, you know, we live in the age of the internet, you know, like people have like websites and Instagram profiles and some therapists have TikTok and you and I have a podcast and we have yeah. Google reviews and we're on psychology today. And now there's even video options you can put on psychology today where people can see you like speaking and your mannerisms and so forth and so on. So a lot, most people, I would say like 99% of people who come through my door have already picked me and don't want that consult call. Yes. Um, well, I don't, I don't mandate it, but I offer yeah. it if somebody wants it. And I, I kind of have a different perspective because I feel like it saves us both from committing to an hour that just to find that maybe they would be better served somewhere else. Right. Yeah. Or, um, and some of it's because I run at this point doing a million different things, a smaller yeah. practice than I used to. I can't take right. the same amount of caseload that I used to. I don't want to take the same amount of caseload I used to. So mm -hmm. for me, I, I would say, I don't know if 10% of the people I see ever do a yeah. consult car. It's very little, but I still do offer it just because, um, you know, I'll get calls from people that are like, you know, they're not even in my area. I, people don't always look at your website accurately. I have yeah. noticed. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I still do them, but some therapists will do consult calls. Some don't, as you can see, even here between us, we have different oh, yes. views of it, right? <laughs> like it's just, it's just a different preference, you know? Um, yeah. and again, I offer them, I don't find myself having to do too many. Um, yeah most people just show up, but, um, I do offer them for those that have questions, right. Especially those that are maybe newer to therapy, but I do recommend people if a therapist offers a consult call to take that time, um, to chat a little bit about what maybe they're looking for, or to chat a little bit with the therapist about, and really it's not about, can the therapist help me, but it's like, does this feel like a good fit for Maybe me? Click. Yeah. Yeah. Because what I have learned is sometimes the reasons we click with a therapist can be so, um, it feels superficial, but I don't think it is right. Like someone's tone annoys you, right. Reminds you of your mother or whatever. Right. Yeah. Or they have a mannerism that you just, every time you look at them, it's like, it, it's getting in the way of your work. Right. And, and yes, maybe that is something you need to work on, but if you can't even get into the process because you're distracted. Yeah. You know, I've had people watch my old, I don't even do YouTube videos anymore, but I had a YouTube channel for a brief moment. Um, and I had someone Google me and do their research and they watched my YouTube videos and they picked me because they liked what I said in a video. Yeah. Right. But somebody else may have watched me like, oh, she annoys me. I don't want to, I don't want to talk to her. Right. Um, so oh, you want to hear something funny. Yeah. I had a, so my psychology today picture, I, I probably have a change. It's probably due for a change, but, but um, <laughs> I had somebody, I think at some point 
it wasn't through psychology today, although this is my pick, the same picture I, I maybe had used on a website or something like that, or on one of our social media platforms. And somebody like commented on my shoes and was like, what kind of therapist wears shoes like that? I was like, oh my God, that's so rude. <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, and to your point, right. We all have a different vibe. I read something oh. about a woman who does therapy. She calls herself like the barefoot therapist and like oh, she wears yoga pants and no shoes. And you know, I don't know. Like she's just has a super chill vibe. Yeah. I have a pretty laid back vibe. I wear mm -hmm. jeans. I don't, you know, like I just, I don't wear business casual for some people. Mm -hmm. They may want that, right? That, and that's okay, right? And that is the thing about if my style and the way mm -hmm. I, I conduct therapy doesn't work for you, I understand. I am never offended with someone's like, I'm just looking for something different. I will help you find different. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, I, I kind of at this point run the way I am because I think yeah. we do, especially in private practice, right? We create the practice that aligns with kind of who we are and how we feel comfortable and the environment we want to create for people. And, um, you know, there's so many different personalities in the therapy field. You'll find someone yeah. that fits with you. You know, I was talking to someone the other day and she approached me about trying to find a, a therapist and she'd gone to one. She's like, I, and it just wasn't sitting well with her. I think she felt mm -hmm. maybe a little invalidated or just didn't, it didn't click. Yeah. Um, and I said, you know, well, maybe do another session and see if you feel differently. And if you don't, mm -hmm. you know, I, I said, you know, most therapists don't take it personal. If you right. go find someone else, I would rather you work with someone that you click with and you get what you need from that person, than spin your wheels with me being annoyed oh, at every session. Yeah. Like, it's okay. It's okay. Um, right. And I tell every client that if at any point I am not your cup of tea, right. Or after this one first set, usually in the first session. Because if you're like 10 sessions in, I may annoy you if I'm like challenging you a little bit, mm -hmm. but like, right. that's, that's a different issue. Way. That's yeah, that's a different issue. But, um, you know, if, if after the first session, I'm just not it, that's okay. You know, like there's literally, at least in my area, a therapist on every street corner, probably four. Totally. And I do think that is a difference, you know, and, and that's one of the things that I like speaking of, like the way we dress and do I do a consult call and that kind of a thing, you know, being in a small town, like I am, there's a lot less therapists. And so I end up saying yes to more clients where it's like when I was in Atlanta, where you are, you know, it was kind of like that old adage of like, um, what the, the riches are in the niches, like you had to be a specialist in something, right? You, and, and so being very niche focused and very specific about who you work with and working with that one population well. And then I moved to this tiny beach town and there's like no therapist. I mean, there's a, there was maybe like a handful when I moved here and it's growing, but um, I've learned I had to be a generalist pretty, pretty fast because when clients call and there's, you don't know who to refer to, or there's nobody to refer to, you end up saying more yeses than no's, you know? Yes, um yeah. I also shed my heels and my tailored dress slacks pretty fast too. <laughs> oh, you yeah. You were formal back in the day. Yeah. I was. Yeah. You were fancy. I mean, so yeah. Fancy. And it's, it's well, and I do a lot of online work now. So now you just see my head anyway, but um, yeah, it's, it is interesting. So, you know, I, it's one of those things of kind of like you seek someone who does a specialty and, you know, I, I've, 
how do we pick therapists? I don't know. It's kind of superficial, right? It's a face yeah. that like, you're like, that looks friendly. They look right. kind. I can connect with that That's right. because all you have is a picture and a website. It's a I, That's right. right. And the psychology today with the video and the voices, I've heard people say like, oh, I don't know. Their voice felt like comfortable. Uh-huh. To me. Like it's really arbitrary Yes. until you get into the office and you start doing the work. And this is where I think people start to kind of, um, maybe figure out more of what they're looking for. You know, mm-hmm. I, I get clients that are like, well, we're switching therapists because of these reasons, right? We didn't feel validated. We didn't feel supported. We felt like whatever they weren't doing. And I don't know, I wasn't making progress, whatever the reason. Um, and you know, those kind of realizations just come when you're in, in the process. Yeah. Right. And you start to figure out how the therapist works. You can always ask. I answer a lot of questions about how I work for those that, you know, want to ask that question mm-hmm. um, of what does therapy with me look like? Mm-hmm. Um, and then from there, deciding if that sounds like something that works for the clients or not. Right. If that's mm-hmm. kind of the method they want to take. But I think the reality is. And I don't know if you work this way, Katie, but I am, I am super flexible as a therapist. Like yeah, I will kind of do and be what mm-hmm. you need me to do and be in terms of how I approach things. Yes. I've got clients that love homework and want to feel like they're doing things, you know, yeah. and we will do that together. And then I've got clients that are like, just hold space for me and let mm-hmm. me unload life's challenges in here because I don't have anywhere else to do that. And I yeah. just need to unload and I will be that for them. Yeah. But that's kind of the conversation I typically have in the first session, which is why, like to Katie, your point earlier about like that first session being so valuable, right? Because that is the hour that you have to really talk about what are your goals, what is going on and kind of like, how do we move forward in this process? And you mm-hmm. get a feel from your therapist and, and how they work in that session. Yeah, I think that's really true. And I agree with you. I, I am very... Um flexible and malleable and somewhat intuitive with it. Right. And, and I would say very little, very few, I mean, no, none of my sessions are ever the same. Right. I never very, very rarely, very rarely do I even come into a session with an agenda, you know, unless maybe in the instance where somebody's stuck or um, really challenging me or challenging the process and I have to do something like pivot or you know really refocus or reconceptualize um and that's what I call you and I'm like hey I need to talk through a client consult situation right and and, you know therapists do that and that's actually a very good thing to know that if your therapist um is feeling like they like you would benefit from them consulting with um, a colleague or um, again for a newer therapist somebody who's more seasoned that they have that on at their fingertips right that a therapist isn't working kind of in isolation um, because that can be the recipe for burnout and for clients not getting what they need but um, you know only then really truly do I come in with an agenda or sometimes um, and I do less of this now but I did more of it when I was in Atlanta but um, sometimes I'll do more like skills training with clients. So DBT or CBT type things where it is a bit more, um, regimented, um, and therapist driven, but typically my sessions tend to be client driven, right? So that kind of segues into maybe another point, which is what is, how does a client 
know how to prepare for coming into therapy? For their sessions or just mm -hmm. to start? Yeah. I mean, uh, I have clients that have their agenda for the day and will come in with notes and read them and work through. I want to talk to you about these four things, right? Mm -hmm. And like very systematically, we process those four things. And then mm -hmm. I have clients that are just like, sit down or like, huh, and then just free flow. Right. I don't know if I have a preference on either one. Again, this is a space for you. And it really depends on what we're doing in therapy, why we're there. Like if you have a very specific trauma we're working through and we're working through a history of, you know, extreme trauma and relationship issues now, that type of therapy looks very different than someone who's like, I'm just stressed okay. out and need some support around that. Yeah. Right. Or I've got anxiety and I really want really concrete skills to manage it. Right. Those yeah. are all very different. That's right. Different types of therapy and mm -hmm. all are valid. I mean, I have people that I have done sessions with that they're like, I don't even really know why I'm here. I just mm -hmm. feel like I could be a better person mm -hmm. or I feel like I'm just agitated and I don't like that. Right. Someone said to me the other day that they did therapy in the past because they were extremely negative. And mm -hmm. wanted to live life with a more with more positivity and realize that they were really a downer to a lot of people around them. And it was a self-awareness. Right. They didn't come in with crisis, right? They didn't mm -hmm. come in with like life falling apart. Just there's this part of me that I don't love. And I, I kind right. of want to to maybe re rework that. Um, so it I don't know if there's a specific thing clients can do. I think it's really clients understanding that it is a client driven service. Mm -hmm. That's right. Right. That's right. And that there isn't a right or wrong. And, and I kind of tend to believe um, that the brain has the ability to triage. Right. And, and for the majority, again, not for everybody, there's always exceptions to everything, but for the majority of people that come into my office, if I I typically start the first session, right? With, we go over paperwork and my paperwork involves what they can expect from me and what they can expect from being here in my office in session with me. And so I kind of set the frame in that way. And that takes about 10, 15 minutes for me to go over the, the, the stuff, right? And then they sign some things. And then after that, and I prepare them at the beginning, we're going to do this first, and then we'll talk the rest of the time about who you are and what's bringing you here and how I'm going to be able to help you. And then when they're done with the paperwork, I literally, I take notes during my session, um, partly because that keeps me focused and helps me for the next time. Remember what we talked about last time, right? Um, but I open my little notebook and sit back, get comfy in my chair. And I literally say something to the effect of, so what's going on? Well, and also recognizing, <laughs> right, because every, because I don't take notes during the session, uh -huh. so recognizing that everyone is really, like every therapist yeah. works really every therapist. Is I do therapist. not take notes during my session. I write, I write notes after session or later mm -hmm. that day to keep track of things because I do want to make like mental note of, of also I, mm -hmm. you know, depending on insurance, all the things you progress notes and that's a whole different thing, but I do take, I take notes later, but I don't take mm -hmm. them during session. So write this understanding of every therapist does things differently but yeah. those are the things right that I think from like a client's perspective it really just comes down to do does it feel like a fit or not and I yeah. don't know 
you know, to really, I feel like we always do this to people. We don't get clear <laughs> there's anything. There's no answers. <laughs> Again, there's no answer because it's a gut feeling. I know. Yes, I connect with this person mm -hmm. and I trust that they can help me. Yeah. Or no, I don't. And I don't know why, but I just didn't feel right. That's right. And to what I always tell clients, even the ones sitting in my office for the first time, that if that is your experience, it is okay. It yeah. is okay to say, this doesn't feel right to me. I want someone else. And like, I will help facilitate that if needed. You can go out on your own, however you want to do it. But um, can I say something about that though? Yeah. I do think that is true within reason, right? Okay. Because I also think that, again, this is rare, but I have seen this over time that occasionally you'll find people who therapist hop and it's a way of avoiding. Yes. Well, but there's a difference between the first mm -hmm. session saying this doesn't feel like a good fit and four sessions in saying, oh, she's touching on my issues. I'm out. Yeah. Right. I'm talking about like initial impressions. But you can't do that like for like 10 therapists. You need to really like, okay, like <laughs> app, like three is like, okay, if you've been to three therapists, if you go on like three websites and look at three Psychology Today profiles and you like three people and you get in their front door and you sit on their couch and you spend 50 minutes with them, which is the standard length of a typical session. And then you say, no, I don't think so. And you do that about three times. It's probably your issue, not their issue. That's my that's right. Me. Like if you can't find a therapist, it's not either. <laughs> for sure. For sure. But it's interesting because actually when I tell people that most people are like, oh, okay. And then they don't actually leave. Right. I'm like, mm -hmm. you can break up with me. Like if you feel like in this one meeting, we're not okay. And like, they always, you know, it's interesting how yeah. they're like, oh no, it's fine. <laughs> but I like to let people <laughs> <Good know enough. laughs> because I, but I do like to let people know because I have walked, I mean, this was years ago. I walked into, I worked at a place where um, people would come for a full day and do a series of intensive therapy sessions with like mm -hmm. three or four different therapists. So each session yeah. was like an hour and a half, whatever. I'm like the first one up for the day. I walk into the room and the client is pissed at me. Like, I'm like, hi, how are you today? Cause I just walked in the room yeah. and I got like railed at, like, I don't even know. Like I was not going to lie. Shell shocked. I was like, mm -hmm. what did I do? Like, did I sit and so uh, I think for five minutes of like, you know, this, um, they were like, I'm done. I was like, okay, your choice. Great. I'm like, thank God this is done. They were very angry. <laughs> they were very angry with me. I left and I found, you know, we used to touch base with the next therapist that would go in and they were like, you're done like an hour and a half early. And I said, yeah, they were done with me. I'm not sure what happened, but she's, she was very angry with me and didn't think it didn't go well. So they took me off of the rotation right? Because clearly we weren't getting anywhere. And I think later on, it came out that like, I reminded them of someone mm -hmm. in their life. Yeah. And it was like, they transferred all that rage onto me, um, which is what I suspected happened. But, um, you know, my presence wasn't going to help this woman get through that. Like eventually she confided that to another therapist and the other therapist could kind of process it with her. I think if she'd been there longer, like if it was a longer term treatment, maybe they could have like thrown me back in there to kind of work through that, you know, um, <laughs> that challenge, but yeah. they, um, but it was, it, it wasn't very long. So anyway, I, you know, but if that is kind of what mm -hmm. someone experiences, right, that, that visceral reaction to mm -hmm. me, was yeah. not going to get her the no. help support she needed. She couldn't connect with me, even on a really, I mean, I said, hi, how are you? And that like opened up a floodgate. Right. Right. And so I think it just triggered her so much mm -hmm. 
that it was just this rage came out. And I, you know, you can't muscle through that. Yeah. You can't muscle through that. And she did great with all the other therapists. So it worked. Right. But yeah. So I think it's knowing to some extent being real with yourself, yeah. right? Like, is this something I can work through mm-hmm. or, you know, and I think it's about, do I feel comfortable with this person? Do I feel safe with this person to do this work? Yeah. Well, and I think that it's important that the client, you know, so in your situation, right, they didn't choose you, right? And kind of mostly what we've talked about so far today is if a client's seeking a therapist out, right, you've done some, the client's done some legwork ahead of time before they've gotten in the office, either, like you said, asking for referrals and getting a good recommendation for a therapist or looking on websites and looking at videos or or posts or whatnot to get a, a feel for somebody's vibe. Um. So there is kind of that opportunity in, at least in private practice to do some self-selecting as opposed to say, like if you were in maybe a residential or inpatient treatment facility or a state funded center or nonprofit where you're assigned a therapist, where you, maybe you go to the center and then the center pairs you with a therapist um, that typically, you know, the, the client doesn't have that autonomy in the same way but yeah but like you said there are even in private practice where people do select there are um like you said just visceral like subtle things mannerisms vocal tone facial expressions um body language that the client either is going to feel comfortable with or not comfortable with Mm -hmm. um I remember when I was really early on I think I started practicing when I was 26 and um I had a teenager who looked at me and she goes are you old enough to do this job <laughs> I had that problem and I, said, I was like I don't yeah. know <laughs> yeah I looked about the age of like the high schoolers I was yeah. like we were basically like the same person yeah it, it is you know well and that's you know I, it has worked for me like people have chosen me at one point in my career because I looked young yeah me too and it's okay like people always feel bad when they tell me like this is why we picked you but it's mm-hmm. like but that's what you go on. Right. And I think it's like, it's okay. You know, so when you're doing your research online, you know, go to their websites, go to the therapist websites, watch a video. If they have one posted, look at the pictures, read what they write. A lot of us write about how we approach things and you can usually get a pretty good feel for, um, the vibe of the therapist. I've been to websites that are crazy formal, you know, and I've been to one that are more conversational, but you kind of get a vibe for like who the person is. Um, you know, you go to the appointment, kind of, you know, dive in. I always tell people if they don't know why they're in therapy, that is okay. It is part of our job as therapists to work with that too. I don't exactly know why I'm here. Okay. And then we can kind of journey along with you and figure out what you want out of the process. Mm -hmm. Um, So you don't always have to have a very specific reason. If -hmm. you're like, I want to grow there's things I don't love that I do or kind of thought process I have, but I'm not hundred percent sure. I don't require people to have it all figured out. Right. I, yeah. it's fine. We can kind of identify that together. Um, yeah. Anything else that like, we didn't really. Well, I think we should maybe say a little bit more about like what to expect from what the client should come prepared with. Um, and this is probably different for every therapist. So for example, I, like I mentioned a moment ago, I don't come to session with an agenda with the exception of, like you said, if it is like a succession anxiety coping skills or a CBT or DBT type thing, which um, 
people are probably listening to us saying like, what the heck did she just say? <laughs> but yeah, you're um, out letters now. Now you're right. silly. But you know, there are sometimes where we do skills training, but but more often than that, like I do what's called talk therapy, right? Or um <clears throat> psychodynamic psychotherapy is a really fancy way to say it. But um it's client driven. So I do wait to hear. And so what that means for the client, if they were coming to work with me, and, and I do coach them on how to do this, but I'll say something like, what's the heaviest on your heart and mind today? Or I'll say something like, well, catch me up. What's happened since I saw you last, right? And then the brain automatically goes to what's heaviest on their heart and mind in that way, because the brain does have an ability to triage, which essentially, um, if you guys aren't familiar with that term, it's kind of like, what's the most important thing? What's the most salient thing? What's screaming the loudest? What needs to be addressed the most? And then for clients who have trouble, even with that, and most people just kind of, you know, organically just dive right in. Um, but if you do have trouble, Sometimes I'll coach people on their drive over or the night before or the day of begin reflecting back on the week and what feels like it is lingering with you that maybe it still has some emotion attached to it that feels unprocessed or unresolved or what feels like it's um, still carrying some weight for you that you've been through this week. Um, you know, if it is kind of more supportive based, you know, here and now therapy, like you said, to differentiate from somebody who's specifically coming in for, I want to address this past trauma or this specific thing that requires skills. Um, so I think that that sometimes alleviate some anxiety for clients and to clarify that it is their time. And yes, we are trained in knowing how to help people find their truths and asking the questions and leading people to what it is they do want to and need to spend the time on, but that the client should come prepared at least for something. Yeah. Well, like what you want to do with your hour to make it. That's right. Time, this right? is your time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I do, you know, and there is a natural ebb and flow that happens. There are times I will have super intense sessions with someone where I feel like a lot of work has been done in that hour. And then there's days where that same person may come in and we're still doing work, but it's a different pace. And I think some of that's like, right, what do we have? What do we have the bandwidth for in this moment? Mm -hmm. Right. You know, I've had clients that have like not felt well and showed up anyway. And of course we're not doing the same level of intensity that we would do when they were well rested and, and could do it. So also like understand that, but yeah, I agree. I kind of do the same thing. It's, it's, and for me, it's, I ask, I mean, I don't even like what came up with for you since the last session, Yeah. right. Mm -hmm. Either, either about that session, right. Like, oh, well, I was thinking about what you said or in life since then. That's right. And usually people have something, right? Like it's something they, they want to unload. I think most people have at least take some time to reflect on like, what the heck am I going to talk about my therapist today? I got to, I got to talk to her for an hour. Like, what are we doing today? I think most people do that. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So that's always helpful. Right. Again, I tell all my clients, like, this is your time, mm -hmm. right? So, um, there are, you know, just to throw out there, I, Katie and I don't do this type of therapy, but there are like more manualized therapies that are more structured. It is not how we operate again. If you like that, right. You would look for a therapist that does more of the, that type of therapy, right. That's mm -hmm. a lot more structured and, um, therapist driven maybe, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um, 
you know, and that's not really how I operate, but um, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of variety out there, but again, if you go to people's websites, if you kind of go to their profiles on various therapist listings, you can really, you know, get a good idea for how yeah. someone works. We usually all blabber about our philosophy of client care and work. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, sometimes I think we, we love jargon. Um, you know, Katie threw out a few letters a little while ago that we're just going to gloss over, but like we do, we love jargon and we love to talk about the theories and the approach and all that stuff. We love all that stuff. Um, but we, I don't know. I mean, we don't expect all clients to know that, right? Like there are clients that have been through a lot of therapists and maybe educate themselves a lot on those things. But the average person looking for therapy is just hearing random letters. It's like, can you help me or can you? Yeah, okay. Um, and I don't care what all the other stuff you're talking about. Um, but I don't know. I hope, I hope we gave people, we never give good answers. No, we did. Like, I think we did a really good we job. <laughs> we don't give like, we, we don't give like, again, cause again, we're not manualized people, right? We're not like first do these three things. Perfect fit. Right. It's just, um, well, hopefully think, that's right. Our podcast reflects kind of <laughs> in some ways, like how we are as therapists and also what that therapeutic process is, is that it's a process, right? It's a journey. It's a, a, a walk, a path that two people or more three people, if you're doing couples counseling or more, if you're doing family counseling, right, goes on together and it can be organic and it can unfold naturally, which is how our podcasts do. <laughs> yes. Well, and right, because, you know, um, should we tell people that we don't, we don't prepare for these that much? We don't have, have we told them that already. <laughs> I don't know. Well, so when we start this process, we have a topic, but we don't plan yeah. out where we're going yeah. with it. So sometimes we go places and we're like, huh, like <laughs> that's where we journeyed today. So we don't have a um, outline or a strict agenda. We were like, hey, what are we passionate about this week? Or what do we feel like we should talk about? Or what came up for you this week, right? That's right. We do the same thing for us. And our that's how, oh my God, we run this podcast like therapy. Like a therapy. Well, sometimes you used to, I haven't done it in a while, you used to end it being like, well, what did you, let's, what did you say? There's a phrase. I will summarize. I'm about to summarize it here in a minute. No, but then you're like, you're like, okay, so that's our time for today. Like you ended up like a therapy session and it would make chuckle. Like how you ended yeah. it. You haven't done it in a couple of ones, but yeah, like in earlier no. podcasts, the way you end it. Yeah. Is, 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 <laughs> makes me chuckle. Um, well, so, I think yes. before we do end though, we should add. So like just a typical couple, like small, tiny logistical things, right? Typically therapy is 50 minutes, five zero. That's, you know, again, there's variation. Some are 45, some go 60, but uh, most therapists spend time between sessions, visiting the restroom, getting a refill on their water or a snack, returning a phone call or two, so forth, so on. So 50 minutes. So just under an hour, I think is standard. Therapy can range, I think typically anywhere from $80 all the way up to even like $250 a session. That probably depends on where you live. Too. Yeah. Depending on where you live, depending on the credentials and the experience of your, your provider. And then some therapists take insurance. Other therapists do not. Um, some therapists podcast. work online and other therapists work in person and some do both. Correct. Right. Correct. Yeah. Some therapists and work as part of a group practice where it is more common for doing things like, um, um, staffing cases among clinicians and some therapists were very much in isolation. What other kind of logistical things should we just touch on very, very quickly? I said quackly, quickly. <laughs> I, mean, I think that kind of covers it from like a, from like a consumer's perspective, you know? Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I think that's 
kind of covers it. And, and again, you know, we all have different specialties, different areas. We, we, you know, focus on, um, And even Katie, who is more generalizing now, you know, has things that she has worked yeah. more on than others, right? And, and this is what's interesting too, is because I have a specialty, but I get all kinds of people that don't fit into my specialty because yeah. I don't know. I'm like, did you read my website? Okay. <laughs> right. And it's still a good fit, right? Because I can still help them, but it's really interesting how people find you sometimes. But I think mm -hmm. that's what it is, right? It's like, well, I liked your picture or mm -hmm. I liked what you said about this. So I figured, why not? Yeah, <laughs> you know? totally. um, so yeah, I mean, hopefully that gets people started. But if any other questions about, you know, finding a therapist come up. Yeah. So we talked all right. about all the differing um, titles, credentials, and types of schooling that are out there for people in the mental health field and some um, general rough correlation between what each of those is likely to be able to do for a client or not do for a client. Um, we talked about sources for finding a therapist. We talked about once you do have a list or a population of, their, of results to look through, um, kind of focusing on really, you know, just the vibe, the energy, the, the feel that you get from that person's picture, from their words, um, from the structure of their website, um, from their social media, if they have it. Um, and then from the topics that they're trained and able and willing to treat as well as age groups and so forth and so on, right? And whether they do what you're looking for versus, you know, child therapy, couples therapy, individual therapy. And then from there, just getting in the office and just giving it a go and being prepared to just kind of talk organically about what's on your mind, what's on your heart and trusting that a good therapist is going to be able to guide you from point A to point B and help you move through that process in a way that feels somewhat organic um, and, and generally wanting to feel mostly supported, but being prepared to be challenged by a good therapist who needs to be able to hold a mirror up in front of you and help you see things maybe that you're not able to see um, for better or for worse, right? And um, then just some logistics around fees, frequency, um, duration of sessions and so forth and so on. Did we talk about anything else cool? Um, I think that kind of summarizes it. I think we did. A, I think that was uh, more information than I thought we had on the topic when we started. I think we and were very, like, that's, not, that's not that hard to talk about. And then I'm like, oh my God, there's so much like <laughs> stuff to sort through to find a therapist. Really? Because it is, it is confusing. Like I get you know, even when I'm looking for therapists for clients, if I need to refer out or if they're right. looking for someone else, or if a friend of mine is looking for a therapist and asks me, you know, who's uh -huh. out there, when I do searches, it is a lot to sort through and I know what I'm looking at. So it's a lot easier for me to navigate their websites and their specialties and whatever. But yeah, as like consumers of the service to really figure it out, you know, can be a challenge, which is kind of why one do this to do was like, go get your own therapy. If you have any more, you know, and then we don't tell you how to do that. So but today how? we did today. Now, you Yay. know, <laughs> go if, you, if it speaks to you, get your own therapy, find a therapist, get online, see what's out there. Yep. And again, if you have any questions, we do try to post our um, links to our podcast on our social media outlets. For me, that's Facebook and Instagram um, as Rob and Katie Truax. My husband and I practice together and Claudia is Mighty Oak Parenting. And so if you do have questions, find us there and um, comment on our post and we'll answer them for you. We will.
Thanks for listening. Thanks for joining. (laughs) Bye. Bye.